Hello, 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 and welcome to Music Industry Secrets Spilled with me, your host, Lucy May Walker. I have to say, I'm really sorry, this is going to be the last episode of this first series, but what a first series it has been. I just want to say a massive thank you to anyone that's been listening and supporting and sending me all your lovely comments. It really means a lot, and I'm so excited to start getting new guests for the series two. But joining me for this final episode of the series is presenter Abby McCarthy. I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea how I managed to get Abby on this, um, but I'm so grateful. Like, she seems to be presenting everything at the moment. Um, so, so, so happy she could spend an hour with me to record this. We focus this episode mainly on the importance of radio. So we talk about BBC Introducing. She's a presenter in Kent. Um, So from getting your first play on Introducing to even playing their stages at festivals and things like that. Uh, We talk about her club night, Good Karma Club, and how she books artists for those. We talk about Manchester-based label Scruff of the Neck and her involvement in their Twitch show, which I I highly recommend watching. Um... I also think Abby McCarthy is one of the most exciting presenters around right now and she also gives some really good advice for anyone who wants to get into that side of things so if you're a budding presenter um, there's going to be something for you in this as well Um, so yeah a bit of everything and a brilliant guest to end this first series on so here is Music Industry Secrets Spilled with the lovely Abby McCarthy Welcome, Abby McCarthy, to Music Industry Secrets Filled. Hey, hi Lucy, how are you? I'm good, apart from, yes, being ill, but other than that, really good, and thank you so much for for coming on. Oh, thank you for Um, having me. So this podcast, I kind of told you a little bit about it, it's like secrets of the music industry, (laughs) Um, because I feel like there are so many secrets, and like, even me, I feel like I'm kind of established-ish. I still don't know so much about the industry. This podcast is um, aimed at artists and you are a presenter of many things, but I want to focus this episode mainly on radio. Um, I think radio for me has been like really vital in my career and it can really, really help artists kind of get to that next level. Um, So you present present BBC Introducing in Kent. Um, So I'm sure most of the listeners, they definitely should already know what BBC Introducing is. Um, But for anyone who's kind of at the start of their career, how can they get their music played on their local BBC Introducing show? Well, that's the best thing about BBC Introducing. It's so easy. You literally go onto the BBC Introducing website, bbc.co.uk slash introducing you upload your music you write a little bit about yourself depending what your postcode did it will get sent to like your local bbc introducing team obviously i reign over kent so anyone that lives in kent i will get sent your music uh, as will my producer and then we'll sit down have a listen and then play our favorites on the radio on a saturday night and i think the great thing about bbc introducing is it lets the music do the talking. It's not like, you know, who's got a big manager if you're signed, if you've done loads of shows. You know, I've played people and it's a demo that they've recorded on their mm-hmm. laptop, but I can hear the potential in it. And, you know, and then they 
send me a song a few weeks later that's even better and then it's my record of the week and then you know and it's like you kind of go on that journey so I think BBC introducing is amazing at just like evening the playing field it's just like if you make good music you will get heard because we're there just waiting to hear good stuff and share it yeah. with people that's that's it that's my job and I think it's super easy to use BBC introducing like I say you just go onto the website and it starts locally but we can also you know forward people for loads of amazing opportunities around the BBC as well so BBC introducing becomes this sort of like super machine it's like if we really like something it's like we'll be shouting to Radio 1 about it or Radio 2 or 6 Music or we'll be going oh hang on a minute Reading Festival's coming up I know the perfect mm -hmm. artist to play there or Glastonbury I got you so just do it. If you're an artist and you're watching this or listening to this and you haven't uploaded, I do not know what you're playing at. I have some people that I know and they're like, oh, no, we haven't. We've been like told against it. I'm like, well, that's stupid because you're not getting played on the radio and I am. It's so, it's <laughs> so weird. It's like, yeah, I guess maybe some people in the industry. I don't know. I don't know why you would not do it, but... um. I remember first getting played. Um, so I'm from Hereford and Worcester. You make me want to be from Kent, to be honest, because <laughs> I want you to be my uh, introducing person. But yeah, I love that. Andrew Marston um, from Hereford and Worcester is, is my local guy. And I remember when he first played, he actually played a cover um, of Dancing on My Own, like, I don't know, 12 years ago or something. Oh, wow. And I think, I mean, I burst into tears uh, when, like, I was so, so happy um, when that happened. Um, but I think once they kind of pick you up, if they like you, they will champion you. Like, he has been so, so supportive and I've literally had every single track um, played, which is, um, yeah, love that. Anyway, um, I guess that moves me on to the next question. Um, when I moved to London, however, I changed my address um so like you said you put your address on and then you're assigned to your local one I changed my address to London I was like okay cool I've moved to London now London are gonna play me and my music didn't get heard for over a year um <gasps> oh wow so my advice I would say for people listening to this is if you do move to a big city especially London or somewhere else maybe think about not changing your address um, because I know London is like massive. So if you're already getting that support, just keep doing, would you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, um, there's quite a few artists that I started playing on the Kent show who have moved to London, um, you know, to pursue music a bit more. Maybe they were gigging so much in London. They were like, okay, I should, I should make the move or, mm -hmm. you know, their, their record label was there or whatever. Um, but because I've supported them from the start, I will just, carry on and I think it's really important for people to like represent where they're from because when I first took on the BBC Introducing in Kent show a lot of people who were from Kent felt like they had to say they were from Brighton or London because it was it was cooler and and it was like no we've actually got a really good scene here in Kent if we yeah. just all you know backed each other and, and celebrated that um, and I love it when I yeah, I hear artists from from all over the country because everyone's got, you know, such different experiences, haven't they? It's like, for example, I'm obsessed with Sam Fender's new album. Mm -hmm. So much of the music is completely rooted in the fact that he's a proud Geordie. He's yeah. from Newcastle. You know, some of the struggles his friends have been through, some of the struggles his family have been through. And that will be totally different, say, from you in Hereford and Worcester, maybe your your different experiences. People in Kent are going through different things. So it's kind of like I think it's really important to root yourself 
yeah where you're from because that's part of your story mm-hmm. and I think it makes you really authentic you don't just want to be another bloody artist from London do you I know you know I regret moving here to be honest. <laughs> um do you have any advice for anyone that's listening so like I've been really lucky to have the support from introducing I know a lot of artists listening to this might have never been played do you have any advice for them like if they're being listened to or if they've not been listened to because you do get a notification if you Mm -hmm. have been heard by your local team is there anything they can do like can they reach out to their local presenter do you think they should give up like (laughs) never give up that's absolutely (laughs) the rule never give up keep the faith I think Mm -hmm. keep uploading I've had it before where someone's uploaded say like 15 tracks And I've not really played any just because I've just because, you know, we get sent so much music and it's not quite made the cut. Sometimes it's been on the cusp, but it's not quite made the track list or, you know, sometimes it's not quite ready production wise. And then they upload that. Yeah, that 15th track and you go, this is amazing. I'm going to play it. So sometimes it's just about really like honing and developing your sound, but keep uploading and yeah, feel free to like reach out to your introducing team for feedback they'd be like totally happy to do that Mm. but also there's a few other like amazing platforms as well because I think BBC introducing is a one that obviously lots of people speak about which we love to see um but people can also upload to like amazing tunes as well can't they to get played on Mm. amazing radio um like the student radio stations around the UK now are like really supportive of new music and they have like a new music playlist and stuff like that so it could be maybe reaching out to them there's lots of amazing community stations as well I mean lots in London but I know that there's some um, around the country as well so maybe it's about also reaching out to them and kind of building the support elsewhere I think you don't want to put all your all your money on something if your local BBC introducing show aren't going to play you it's not just like oh well that's that then yeah you know pack it all up I'm done you know it's like make loads of noise and and be sort of so exciting and making such great music they couldn't possibly ignore you you know maybe there's loads of blogs writing about you maybe it's like you're amazing live and you invite them down to a show or even if they can't make the show Mm. they hear from everyone locally that you you know packed out the local venue and you were amazing and everyone had goosebumps you know just just like be doing all these things so eventually they'll get on board even if they're not already I would say I think that's a good um, piece of advice to invite people to shows and be like hey would you like to come on my guest list and a lot of people probably won't answer I mean I was going to ask you this to come to my show on Thursday but I might have to cancel it um oh no because you're poorly (laughs) yeah (laughs) we'll see um but yeah I think invite people to your shows and kind of show them that you are interested in what they do Mm -hmm. you know give them something as well as just being like play my music on the radio like (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah no I always think that's so nice like when people actually bother to reach out and invite me to show I'm always like oh thanks so much because even if I can't you know even if I can't make it I'm always just like oh thanks so much for thinking of me and yeah um, inviting me makes me feel special oh Mm -hmm. um I know you you mentioned before about um apart from just being played on introducing you can then be put forward for like um festivals and stuff like that um how do you kind of choose the artists and and also so I played big festival which was like it was amazing and that was through introducing do they have like assigned local ones because that was in the Cotswolds nowhere near 
my local how does it work so we have stages at so many different festivals around the mm. uk obviously there's kind of all the major ones i guess people would know like uh reading and lees festival or glastonbury or we've got a stage at latitude um but there are like some smaller ones around the uk that we we also have stages at and there'll be some like local shows who collaborate with their local festivals and and put a lineup together as well so there's so many different opportunities festival wise which I think is amazing because as a new artist everyone wants to play at a festival don't they I mean everyone wants to just do gigs mm-hmm. and at the start it's just like how do I do that yeah. someone help um so I always think that's like one of my favorite parts of the year is going along to like the introducing stages mm-hmm. at festivals and I've and I've found so many great acts that way because obviously because there's so many different introducing shows there's 30 six of us I think it is around the UK we're all in touch quite a lot you know mm. swapping tunes saying what acts we like and then normally it's like we actually will get together at a festival and then get to see all these acts we've been shouting about do their thing live and it's yeah it's always really fun. Moving on from radio for a bit um you are also the mastermind behind Good Karma Club um which I know you put on the was it like last week or something um so tell us a little bit um more about that and how you kind of pick artists if that's something that you get to choose. Yes I mean it's it's me it's it's all me uh so yeah Good Karma Club is my gig night that I started in January 2016 wow. um so I had always always wanted to do a gig night but didn't have a bloody clue what I was doing basically and then I got chatting to a friend of mine called Atch who is part of um, a record label uh, called Killing Moon but they also they do loads of stuff they're one of those amazing companies who kind of Mm -hmm. do it all and they'd really built like the live sector of their company so he was like why don't we work on this together and I was like oh my god perfect so I got to do the fun bit so I curate the lineups I put on my my favorite acts I host and I DJ and I'm you know and then they really helped me with all the logistical stuff like contracting and advancing and when to get people there for sound checks and stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've learned a lot of that I guess through doing the night for like the last five years or so but um but yeah it was an amazing way to to get started um and I'm always looking for artists to play that's that's the amazing thing about it it's just meant to be a platform for for everyone so uh, if anyone listening would like to play Me. you're very welcome oh she's here <laughs> she's demanded a slot um we take submissions through um the good karma club facebook oh, page cool. just because if people tweet me and stuff it often just gets lost and a bit like overwhelming so we mm. yeah we take submissions there um so we just ask people to obviously tell us a little bit about them um and then send us a song and maybe a clip of a live recording if they have one um and yeah we go through that a few times a month and often we're adding those uh, acts to the lineups as well so yeah it's amazing it's like one of those things that started as a as a passion project or I kind of dared myself to do it I suppose and now it's become yeah a massive part of my life and it's and it's growing loads and you know we've had good karma club festival stages we've been to south by southwest the biggest new music festival in the world in america which was like a big deal and we've done like a couple of tours and stuff so yeah i feel really excited about good karma club i feel like it's one of those things over the next few years i hope it's i hope it's everywhere where is it based the the night that you put on so it's mostly in london so we run uh, free entry shows um at the seabright arms um in london um so again that was about just making it accessible to everybody all people need to do is just sign up for a free ticket on dice and then they can come down and enjoy some you know amazing music um and then we do some slightly bigger ticketed shows which often we run at colors in hoxton 
which I just okay. love that venue. Like the production is always amazing. And oh, it's like, I need to got go. great lights and it's yeah, and it's ace. Um, so we so we've put on quite a few there as well. Um, but yeah, we've got our first one um in Manchester next month, which is really exciting at the Death Institute. Cool. Um, and yeah, there's lots more to come, a uh, good karma club related in the next uh, year or so. So yeah, people watch out. Um you just made me think of uh, another question that I have not written down, but do you find it really easy to sell the t- the ticketed events? Do you find it easy? Does it sell itself or do you struggle with that? Or do you think because you put on free shows, people go to that and then they're like, oh, it's good enough for me to buy a ticket? Like, do you have any tips for selling tickets? Yeah, no, no. I mean, selling tickets, it can, it can be hard, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first made the jump to doing ticketed shows, I was a, I was a little bit terrified, to be honest. Mm. But I was like, you know, I need to... I need to do it at, at some point yeah, and, and people you need have been, to make money yeah, yeah and you need to kind of make it a business don't you so I was like okay people are people are loving the free shows the tours we'd done which had um five dates each they'd all sold out and they were ticketed so that was a kind of a, a good indication nice. I think as long as you've got the right lineup on there mm-hmm. it will sell out but I think what's great about Good Come Club particularly is there's actually a few people I see there who honestly have been there since the start like some people it's just like part of their routine now mm-hmm. they will come every month just to see like who we've put on and I like That's love cool. that so they just come down sometimes they're like I don't really know much about like whoever's playing but let's just let's just see what it's all about so I guess it's about yeah building up a little bit of a like a reputation for mm. them for the nights and then people come along even if it's if it's just for that um and then I guess yeah it's just finding like interesting ways to promote shows because you must find that difficult as an artist because essentially you could tweet every day hey buy a ticket I'm really good like come and play come and see me play some songs but it's kind of like you need to be a bit more a bit more adventurous yeah I've started doing um like reels actually and I found that like are they not they're not attractive what I'm doing in the reels but it is basically like hello do you live in London come and see me and I don't know if I've sold any tickets but um I've had some really good feedback saying that I'm probably gonna have to cancel the show but um oh don't um, oh. <laughs> I know mad but um I think I had Maz um from communion I don't know if you know him but I had him on the podcast oh, last week two weeks ago um and he does a very similar thing with um, communion. I can't remember what he called it now, but like they have a cl- oh club night, mm. and yeah, same thing. It sells out because people. I guess you just have to build that reputation, and then people just trust that um, you're going to have a good lineup of of people. So um, if anyone's listening to this and wants to put their own gig on, um, just take note. That's it, and and get Lucy to play. Yeah. It's a done deal. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, another thing that you host is Scruff of the Neck, um, which is a company based in Manchester who put on live shows on a streaming platform called Twitch, which um, I've discovered this year and I love it. Um, and it's all about discovering new artists. And I feel like your whole thing is discovering new artists, which I love. Um, and then that you are one of the presenters on that. Um so tell us a little bit about that show and how can artists get involved in that? Yeah, so that's been really interesting because I didn't know a huge amount about Twitch, to be honest, mm. apart from um, my brothers use it because they're both big gamers. gamers. Yeah. But I was like, oh, okay, apparently more music stuff is is happening on Twitch. And obviously, I guess because of, because of the pandemic, everyone yeah. was just like 
using any kind of live streaming they could get their hands on to connect with people and, and get their music out there. And then I was chatting to Mark, who owns and, and runs Scruff of the Neck. And yeah, they'd been approached by Twitch about doing this, this kind of partnership. And I was like, what an amazing opportunity because people at, at this point couldn't play live at all. It was when it was like full, mm-hmm. full lockdown. Don't leave your house unless you're going to Asda, that kind of that kind of level of lockdown. And then he was like, We've we're gonna build a you know performance area with a proper stage, and then there'll be like a sofa area where you can hang out and, and interview the artist. And it just and it was just such a brilliant thing. So um we launched uh in January uh this year and we did um basically a show every day for for two weeks to kind of establish what the every day yeah no. yeah or I think or, or was it five I think it was five five a week for two weeks I think that's actually right still so impressive was, <laughs> was pretty yeah it was pretty pretty hectic Intense. um but that like really established it and it was amazing because so many people were watching and it was like a really global audience like you'd mm. have people being like oh hey I'm in like Mexico or I'm in like LA and I'm doing this and I was like oh wow okay we're just here in Manchester with great artists so um so it was really amazing and I I I guess now um I would advise anyone to to just try out Twitch because I do think it can bring you a whole new audience that you probably wouldn't get just doing the kind of traditional uh touring and traditional kind of media interviews and stuff um so yeah it's been it's been amazing and they're always looking for artists to perform so I would say the best way uh, to contact them is just to to reach out to them on socials I think they're most active um on Instagram um so yeah just reach out and be like I'll come and play and then normally yeah you go to Manchester um to, to do the show so it's like fully live and it's kind of fun because then on the screen you can see all the audience interacting the and stuff yeah um and then yeah and there's always uh, some fun games and questions and stuff after yeah I've watched it and I, I think it's so good. I think you read out one of my questions to Billy Lockett actually oh yeah rightly. we had yeah. Billy on yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right actually yeah um but yeah I would I would say that as well twitch for me like when because i when the pandemic hit i i mean i'm a musician and most of my income is live right so i did the same thing i started live streaming on facebook and it was good for a while but people then suggested this twitch and i was like i don't really understand why would what i is this? yeah <laughs> what is it never heard of it and also i didn't understand why i'd stop streaming on Facebook where I have an audience already to go to a new platform where I don't have an audience but it I have to say it's the first platform I've ever been on where I feel like I got a whole new kind of audience and crowd and yeah it's worldwide like I now have mm-hmm. fans in America so you know if I ever tour America they'll be hopefully they'll leave the house to come and watch me <laughs> um also I there's a there's a thing called whisper where you can it's like a direct message um if anyone's listening to this and wants to apply for um scruff the neck i always want to call it off the scruff scruff of the neck um i whispered to them and said how do i do it and then they sent me a link to a form to apply um so that's enough yeah there's a there's a form out there i think you just have to speak to the right people so i know that you have championed artists like Mimi Webb and I just want to talk about Mimi Webb for a second because I love her and um she released her debut EP a couple of days ago and I saw that you went to the launch um so when I first saw Mimi Webb it was on TikTok this car thing listening to your song in the car and I was like who is this girl and she's amazing um 
And I kind of want to know, do you know her story? Like, I know she was signed to Sony before that. Do you know? Yeah, she, she, honestly, she's had the the craziest journey, hasn't she? Because it it was like she was totally unknown. And now she's like been in the charts a few times. It's just one of those where it's it's just, it's just gone. Jealous. So so I'd been aware of her um, for a little while because we'd been playing her um, on my introducing Mm -hmm. show. Um, and she's originally signed uh, in America, so she was signed to, to Epic, and then oh. I think she was kind of like working out her her UK label partner. Um, yeah, and then we were we were playing her on the show, and then one of like the first TikToks that of hers that went like super super viral um, was me playing her on the show. Yeah, and it was her showing her dad yeah. that she'd been played on the radio, and he's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it! This is you!" And it's like this really pure like sweet reaction. Um, and I saw when I saw it, it already had something like a qu- quarter of a million views. And I was like, wow, that's insane. Just mm. like, wow, okay. Um, but then it like really, really escalated. People I hadn't spoken to in ages, it was like people from primary school or like friends of friends or people I used to work with were like, have you seen this? This is like you playing this this artist. And um, yeah, that's when I realized it had, it had kind of properly gone and I know she's used TikTok since then like pretty religiously and it's just it's given her a a whole fan base like she hadn't really done any any live shows because of the the pandemic she started um doing like open mic nights and stuff around Canterbury in Kent where she's from I think she'd done a few in London and then it was like hang on I'm a proper I'm a proper pop star now I need to like I need to do a show and then um and then yeah she did her first like London shows which she she kept quite intimate um but she's playing like Scala I think it is next week she played like quite a big stage um at Reading and Leeds festivals um and yeah she's just got this fan base and it's kind of interesting because she's like a she's a modern day pop star isn't she it's kind of like I don't know there's so many there's so many artists who who do things quite differently it could be like you're literally gigging for like two years then you release music and then it all happens whereas she's kind of like she has blown up really because because of the internet and it's kind of like we've not really we've not really seen that as much Mm. we're not not really with TikTok yet obviously it happens a lot with like YouTube stars and didn't it you know them them putting up covers and then getting signed and then and breaking that way but yeah I think she might be like one of the first that's become like this kind of TikTok pop star but she's so lovely and I'm just like I'm really I'm really happy for her like it's funny because I think a lot of people are a bit like seems a bit unfair but it's like talking to her and interviewing her um and and getting to know her team she's like really been putting in the work like she's been working with with her manager since she was you know 16 she's she's 21 now she's had to do a lot of like working out what her sound is and you know her voice is like amazing and really powerful and quite gritty so it's also been like how how to use that the best in the music and stuff so there's been a lot of things that she's um yeah that she's been working on but then it's it's amazing isn't it like the the power of of social media sometimes like one tiktok led to to loads more and then all this this huge oh, fan base so yeah it's pretty incredible really it must be so amazing for you to see as well from like championing her from the start but I think luckily she has the talent to back it up so mm-hmm. yeah it might have happened really quick for her and obviously old women like me are really jealous um <laughs> but um <laughs> I'm obsessed with her and I think yeah she you can tell that even though she's putting on these live shows it might be you know some of her first she has just got it 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's I just born wa- to do it, isn't yeah. she? She is one of those. Where you're I just, just wanted like, yeah. to talk about her because I think she's great. Yeah. Um, Love her. We're part of the Mimi Web fan club we're, yeah. and we're proud. Yeah. Um, also, you played my friend Kitty Montague on your show a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I love Kitty. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, and when I was, I listened to the show and I was thinking, you went into like, you could just tell as like a presenter, you weren't just like reading her bio. You'd been on on her Instagram and like talking about her dog. And I thought that was like a really good like quality of a presenter. Um, to kind of because you don't have to do that you don't have to do you know what I mean but nice yeah I know what you mean I could just be like (laughs) oh this is the bio on on yeah introducing uploader I'll just read it out loud but no I loved it I love doing that I love getting to know the person behind the Mm. music so yeah we'll always have like a a nosy at socials and, and see what else they're they're saying as well because I think introducing a new artist to people obviously the music is such a huge part of it and people will either like it or not like it or not be sure and we'll play Mm -hmm. it again and and they'll work it out but I also think it's nice if you can kind of share a part of that artist's life that people might remember Mm. whether it is like a a fun fact or an interesting story or someone cool that they've worked with or whatever so yeah we just try and like bring out as as much of the story of the artists as possible um for anyone that's listening to this, because I know it's it's kind of aimed at artists and people in the music industry, but I reckon having you on, we will probably get a lot of people listening who want to do what you do. So do you have any advice for people starting out wanting to be a presenter, not just in radio, but you present all sorts of stuff? Um, do you have any advice for those people? I think the best piece of advice is just to start and just to do it. Like we live in an amazing time where you can like I could interview an artist just like this on on Zoom or on my laptop and then I could upload it to YouTube or I could um, do some presenting on my phone and upload it to TikTok or like Instagram reels and and, like start just just practicing I think practice makes perfect the more we call it air miles in radio like the more you're on air the better you get because you become Mm. more like comfortable in yourself and your own style um, and it's just it just becomes second nature in the end. So you can just really have fun because you're not thinking about all the technical stuff like what faders what, what mic is that person on? All that stuff just becomes easy. And then all the other stuff you can just you can just have loads of fun with it. Um, so I would say, yeah, just do it. Um, there's loads of amazing <clears throat> like events you can go to for for like networking. There's like like the Student Radio Association put on loads of amazing events. Um, there's like an amazing uh, all-female station in London called Foundation FM and they run loads of like workshops and stuff. So I would say like look out for for those kind of things, I think, because mm. you you end up like meeting people and then you might team up and do stuff together or it might be like you make a contact at that and then they have an opportunity for you like a few months later. Um, so that all the, all of that stuff is really important. And when you make those contacts, like make sure you look after them. There's so many contacts Mm. that I met, like literally when I was doing student radio or, um, was right at the start of my career. And now I like work with them on a few different projects because they've kind of like watched my career grow and they're like, oh, we should now do stuff together. Yeah. So yeah, network as much as you can. The word network is so horrible. I know. Just, well, just to just, (laughs) yeah, just hang out with people. Um, and I think that's mostly mostly it and I think it's just like it's just about working hard and being consistent because hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard I think if you can really get known for for something whether it's like 
yeah, you championing new music or maybe you're like a comedy presenter and you get known because you always put out a sketch every single Friday or something, mm. you know, whatever your thing is, be really consistent with it. Because I think sometimes you don't know who's watching. Yeah. But it, and sometimes you might look and be like, oh, there's actually only like 50 people that have watched this on YouTube. But like those 50 people could be could be anybody. It could yeah. be like the head of Channel 4 or it could be like a, a presenter who's looking for a co-presenter for a new project that, that they're working on. Um, mm. So, yeah, just like keep putting stuff out there, being consistently great. And you're going to get noticed, aren't you? Oh, Definitely. Great advice. I think the networking thing as well is across the board in, in I guess, entertainment industry, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I met you because you presented International Busking Day and I was like, oh my God, it's Abby McCarthy. <laughs> and probably fangirled a bit, but I was like, at that point, I didn't even know that this podcast was going to be born into the world. But we kind of connected like very briefly on Instagram. But I think there's certain people that you kind of know are good people and I yeah. think cling on to them. Like... That's that's what I did with you. I think you're a good person. Um, <laughs> Back at you. Oh, thanks. Right. I'm hoping you might know something about this. Fingers crossed. So going back to radio briefly, um, and we're coming to the end of the podcast after this one. Um, I don't know if you, if you really know about this kind of stuff, but I'm sure you have a kind of general idea. Um, so I've been really lucky to have an in with Jeremy Vine. Um, he famously spotted me busking and then oh, I got... Yes, I know this story. Amazing. <laughs> Probably because I talk about it all the time. Um, but yeah, he spotted me busking and then, um, I got invited slash I invited myself, um, uh, in to do a, a live session on his Radio 2 show. And, and that kind of broke me. Uh, that sounds bad. Not broke me as in like, <laughs> oh, what, what am I trying to say? <laughs> propelled me to the, the next go. level um so I'm now really lucky because I have that direct contact um so when I have a, a new single I can just email that contact and be like hey um and sometimes they add it to like the new to two playlist mm-hmm. um but that doesn't normally happen normally to get played on something like radio two radio one you have to have a radio plugger mm-hmm. So they're really known for being very expensive um, yes. and there's absolutely no guarantees. It's a lot of money to put into something. Um, can you tell us anything about, I mean, what is a radio plugger and how can artists find good ones? Because I'm sure there's a lot of pluggers, but not all of them are good. There's always some duffers, isn't there? Always. Mm. Uh, so a radio plugger is somebody who hopefully has an amazing contact book of people who work at different national radio stations, local radio stations, community radio stations, and they will make sure they send the shows that are relevant, your music. And if they're given the opportunity, they can go in and kind of pitch you basically. Um, It's like, you know, Lucy May Walker's from here. She's been doing these gigs. She sounds like this. She's great. You should play her, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they'll keep, they'll keep the radio teams updated with relevant news it might be like oh this blog just wrote about this artist or you know oh they were on the front cover of the magazine or oh my god I saw them live supporting this artist and it was amazing here's here's some footage so they're there really to just be part of your team and really push for you to get radio play but as we say they can be really expensive Mm. so I think it's making sure that they're a good plugger um 
do you know anybody else that's worked with them is there any kind of like cases you can read of, of acts that they've they've helped um I also think making sure that they're relevant to you there's a lot mm. of artists who specialize obviously in in certain types of music or they've got really strong relationships at maybe one or two particular stations you know it's like if you're making like folk music there's obviously no point going with somebody who really specializes in heavy metal and has the best relationships with mm -hmm. Kerrang because we all know that's not going to work out yeah and um, so I think it's about looking at who else they plug and if you kind of tap into that that sound or that scene that will be really beneficial but I also think it's about bringing them on at the right time mm. because I think sometimes it's like people feel like they have to do it right from the off it's like I'm a new artist I've got two gigs and a really good song right let's pay all this money to a radio plug and it's like honestly don't because it's better at that stage to be using that money to either put it into your live show so that people come to that and they are wowed or of course putting it into the most important thing which is your music mm -hmm. so maybe it's like using the money to like make sure that the single gets recorded really well or you can work with a great writer or a producer or you know whatever it might be um so I would say the stage is like you've been getting quite a lot of support from your local BBC introducing show, you might have got a little bit of national support because they've been forwarding you on for opportunities, but you really want to become kind of a staple national radio artist. That is mm. the time that you should bring on a plugger. So that might be, you know, 18 months, could even be two years down the line. It, de it depends for every different artist, doesn't it? Everyone's yeah. got a totally different trajectory. But I think you'll know when you, you need that extra boost. When we were talking about BBC Introducing earlier, one of the, the things that I said was so great is that it's about evening the playing field, isn't it? So it's not about if you have a, a really expensive plugger, it's just mm. about um, the shows really championing your music. So I would say, you know, use all of these tools that are there to help you as a new artist. And then when you kind of can't push past into that next level and you do need that support, that's when it'll be right to, to get a radio plug mm. on board. Or they might even have got in contact with you in, in that time as well. But I do think there's some who just want to take your money because it's what an easy way to make money. You, can, you yeah. can get thousands to do that. And then you send an email to like 100 people. I uh, And then that's, that's it done, you know. I don't... Uh, how much do I say? Um, I would also add on potentially message the artist so if you found a plugger and you're like oh we've worked with this artist I think if you have a relationship or some sort of contact with that artist it's worth asking them um yeah. for advice because I've had a couple of those going oh you used this person um were they good and I was like well actually <laughs> that play mm. was from a contact I had so people can shout about things but actually they had nothing to do with it mm. um, but yeah maybe messaging the artist but only if you have kind of a, uh, a direct contact with them because I've had a random person message me before like who's your plugger I'm like why would I tell you um, <laughs> do you know what I mean who are you <laughs> yeah kind of have a some sort of in with that person um before you just cold uh, message them. Yeah, agreed. Uh, um, all right, we have come to the end of the podcast and I want to finish with a question that I ask every guest. Um, the title of this uh, podcast is Music Industry Secrets Spilled. 
So, Abby McCarthy, can you spill a music industry secret, please? Oh, I really wanted to go really juicy, oh, but you'll, you'll have to take me to the pub for some, uh, okay. some super, super juicy um, music industry secrets. And then I wanted to say the one that everyone has said. We spoke about this just before we started recording, where everyone basically says, they don't know what they're doing and everyone's blagging it. And that that is kind of the biggest secret, I, I do think, because, yeah, we're no one has any idea and we all feel like imposters, but we're all kind of getting on with it anyway. Um, but what I think I will say is, I think I touched on it earlier, but it, that you never, you kind of never know who's watching and basically mm. to, to keep the faith. So, um, you know, even if you're um, an artist, you can play a gig sometimes. And let's be honest, every artist has had this um, at the start and you play and there's literally 10 people there. Yeah. Well, some, sometimes there's less. Sometimes it's literally like a man and his dog and then the, the sound engine is. And that's that's fine. But you don't know necessarily who those people in the room are. So play it like it's Wembley Arena. Mm. Play it like it's the last show you'll ever do because that, that one man at the front could be you know, an A&R at a big record label or they could go on to be the manager that's really going to support you in your career or maybe they're a live agent and they represent loads of really cool artists and they're going to put you on some support tours in, in years to come. So I think, yeah, keeping the faith is really important because I found this as a presenter, like at the start, I'd be like, oh, I'm, tr I'm trying out all these opportunities. I'm sending off demos and I'm not yeah. like really getting anywhere. But then I'd sometimes be at like an event and then, like asking a bigger presenter like a question and they'd be like oh I love that that um interview you did on your introducing show with that artist or like I've been playing them on my show and I'm thinking what you number one you know I exist and then yeah. you've actually listened to like an interview that I've done or you've seen like a clip of it on socials or whatever and I was like that like blew my mind a little bit or even when I got um like representation for um presenting they they'd just been like watching my stuff and kind of keeping an eye on me yeah. for like a year or so just to see what I was doing and I had no idea um I, I think the same is definitely definitely said for for artists yeah you can you can play gigs or you can be somewhere and you have no idea who's there especially at festival I think when you look out onto a festival crowd mm. sometimes it's like all sorts of people um you know it could be another festival bookers come along for the day to see to see who's on and you know maybe Emily Evis is watching and then you're gonna play Glastonbury like That's who nice. knows so I think it's just about like yeah, keeping the faith that you are good and you're doing the right thing, but also seizing the opportunity and making the absolute most out of it because you never yeah. know who's watching and you never know what's going to happen next. It could just be like that amazing opportunity that you've wanted for so long is literally just around the corner. You just you just don't know it yet. Oh, I love that. I also just want to add as well, I think I love the whole you never know who's watching I also think attitude um when you're not performing so like I did um um like a funding application the other day where we all played live and loads of artists and I was watching all the other artists and you could see some people as soon as they'd finished playing you know they just sit on their phone go outside I think if I was like a, a panel deciding who's getting funding I'd look at that and be like Hmm, I'm put off that person. So yeah, bad attitude. 100%. Yeah, yeah. People are watching even when you're not on um, on stage as well. So amazing. Thank you so much. This has been so good. Um, oh, this has been great. Thank you for having me on. Before I end, is there anything you want to plug? I know you have your own podcast. Um, plug away. 
Oh, yes. I have uh, my own podcast, which is called uh, Celebrity Search Engine. And season three uh, is about to kick off. Um, if people want to subscribe or follow wherever they get their podcast, they will get um, an episode uh, every single week then. Um, or come on, just follow me on socials and, and say hi. Always looking to, to meet new artists. I'm new music obsessed, as you probably uh, gathered from my chat with Lucy. So, yeah, come and say hi. Thank you so much. Yay! Oh, we did it. We did it. I'm sorry, but how much of an absolute babe is Abby McCarthy, please? She so eloquently gave such good advice in that episode, and I really hope you're inspired by my chat with her to go and upload your music to BBC Introducing. Uh, or reach out to community radio stations and also presenters themselves, like Abby. They actually do have a lot of power. And, and yeah, it might not seem the normal way to get into getting played on the radio, but I mean, the only person that made my whole Radio 2 debut happen was the presenter of that show, Jeremy Vine. A friend of mine, Isaac Stewart, got played on Radio 2 last week after Michael Ball saw him live. Uh, he also played uh, Hattie Briggs, um, she did a live session with him. Um, so it just goes to show that you actually don't always need um, to splash out that money on a radio plugger to make these things happen. Um, but at the same time, knowing the right time to bring that person in is, is really great advice from Abby. Like she says, she has her own podcast called Celebrity Search Engine, so go check that out. You can also follow her on social media at Abby Abby Mac MAC. This episode was recorded just before my headline shows and you can hear me talking about it there, uh, about having to potentially cancel them, which unfortunately I did have to end up doing, um, but both of the shows have now been rescheduled to February and March next year, so go and check out my website for tickets, uh, there are still some left. Also, Christmas is just around the corner, which is mental. Um, so do forgive me while I just plug my song commissions. Uh, if you don't know what to get for a loved one this year, why not just leave it to me? And I will write them a song from you. Um, details of that is also on my website, lucymaywalkerofficial.com. Like I said, this is actually the very last episode of this first series, but... I will be returning in the new year with a brand new series. And for that series, I'm now looking for guests. So, do you know an artist, uh, a PR person, a radio plugger, someone in the music industry who you think would be a really good guest for series two? If so, get in touch on social media at Music Secrets Pod. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Um, and I'd really love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. I didn't know how it was going to go, but I am so proud of it. And, and yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you also to all of my guests this series. We've had Abby McCarthy, Kate McGill, Simon Pursehouse, Megan O'Neill, Mazda Pooney, and Beth McCarthy. Two McCarthys, actually. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, I cannot wait for series two. Until then, stay safe and love you. Bye. Bye.